risen Savior. Lord, we welcome you and only you into this place. Lord, you said where you are lifted up, you will draw all men. God, you have to be the one that is lifted. Lord, we have to lift you for your presence and your power and the Holy Spirit to draw, to draw as you are drawing even now, Father. As you're speaking to hearts even now, Father. Lord, as you're bringing, God, hearts into repentance right now, Jesus. Lord, as you're bringing hearts into repentance. God, through your word, God, through your, God, revelation, God, through your word. Lord, our heart of repentance. God, we praise you. Worship you, God. Now let your word go forth. God, as the ground, God, is plowed. Lord, in the seed, Lord Jesus, be planted. Lord, and it falls, God, every heart, God, in every mind right now, God, be tilled up by the Holy Spirit. God, that it receives, God, the seed, God, on good ground. God, on good ground now, Father. God, that the enemy cannot come in, God, and snatch it away. Father, for your word is quick and powerful and stronger than, God, anything. is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts coming and going. It divides, God, the bone and marrow. God, and right now, we pray your word divide in people's lives, the flesh and the spirit. God, the, the dividing, God, of the grounds, Lord God, that the seed can take place and take root, Lord change happen, Lord, in people's lives, hearts and minds. God, we'll forever thank you and give you the glory. Lord, and we do all these things. God, your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Lord, you are holy. Lord, you are holy. Second Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. John, can you can you run to that kid's room right there and get that hula hoop back out of there? I'm going to pick up a little bit where I left off the Sunday before last on, on change, how we have to let go. Y'all remember the, the, the dollar bill I had and that you could not even take the dollar from one hand and put it in the other unless you opened the hand to receive it. Anytime change happens, there has to be a letting go of something and a receiving of what is being brought unto you. Because if you cannot let go, then you cannot receive what God wants and has for you. So a lot of times... Sunday before last when she did finally open up and put it in the other hand all she really done was rearrange the dollar she still had it in her life and in her presence so a lot of times we call a rearrange change 
And that is not change. It's just us rearranging our lives to make it look like change and make us feel better about what is happening or how things are going. And we just try to take everything in the room of our hearts and we try to shift it all around without getting rid of anything. And we call that change. When that is not change, that is just rearranging the things in your life to make you feel better about yourself or be feel better about what God is trying to do. Well, God, I'll shuffle this around where it looks different and it makes me feel different. People come into your home after they, they've been there several times and maybe you rearrange the furniture and they may say, hey, you changed the house. No, the, no change took place. The house and the furniture and the contents of the house is still the same that it was. You just made it look different. A lot of Christians walk around day to day, day to day, service to service, and all they do is rearrange their lives because they want people to see them differently than what they really and they try to hide the evidence in the corner or shift it around and they say God changed me no God didn't change you because you didn't allow God to take the things out of your life and put things back into your life that he wanted the only way change happens is if you let go of everything and you got let God put the things back into your life that needs to be there Oh, come on, somebody. I know it's, it's hard. We don't like change. We're, we're creatures of habit. We're, we're human. Anytime change comes along, we, we get nervous because change upsets the way the things that we want. Change upsets the things that are comfortable to us. Change upsets everything. A rearranging does not. You're still comfortable in your rearranging. You're still comfortable because you still are holding on to the things that God is trying to pull us out of. So last week, the week before last, I said it once, but I wanted y'all to catch the concept. The hula hoop, the, 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 the circle represented the center of your life, okay? The center of your life. I didn't want anybody to get confused. Maybe I didn't say it last good enough but this is the center of your life alright and in the center of your life I had a Bible that should be the word of God it should be him he represents everything he should be in the center of your life Okay, and then you have the things that we all know. We all know we have to work. We all know that we have to, 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 to do things. I had the American flag for chasing the American dream. I had weights for the weights that, that so easily beset us and that we hold on to. Uh, I had a bat for sports and things like that. You know, I, I, is there anything wrong with them things? No, there's a picture of an office space for, for work. Uh, I got a picture of, of a television. Uh, I got a picture here of, of my family. My family. All these things, home. All these things go outside this circle. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus is the center of your life. Now, you, do you have family? Yes. And he says, he looks back 
He's got a crowd following him and Jesus looks back and tells him, do you want to follow me? Then this is what you have to do. You have to hate your mother, your father, your sister, even your own wife, even your own life and you have to follow me. What he is saying is, is you have to love me more. That's the Greek trans translation. Is you have to love me more than your wife, your mother, your father, your kids, your job. Then he says, you have to love me more than your own life. So what he is saying is the cost of following him is him at the center you love him more you, you, you do everything and all the other stuff is on the outside but this is what we allow slowly and surely we allow our family because we love our family we do, I love my family we allow our family to get into this circle. We allow the weights of this world, the pressure of this world to get into this circle. We allow our jobs to get into this circle. Uh, we allow social media, TV to get into this circle. We allow sports to get into this circle. We allow the things of this world to get into this circle. We allow this could stand for politics. We allow it to get into the circle a lot of times. And more weights. And so this circle is cluttered. This circle is cluttered with all kinds of junk in the center of your life. So now you don't have time for this. You don't have time to pray. You don't have time to read. You don't have time to sit before the Lord, meditate upon the Lord. And this slowly, he says, I am a jealous God. He says, I do not share. I don't share. But what we try to do is we try to rearrange all this and all this, well, Lord, I'll put you over here right now and over here right now. And all that is is nothing is changing in our life. We're just rearranging the things to make it look like things are changing, but it's not. And slowly he's saying, I'm getting out of the middle of that mess because it's me or me only. And then may, something may happen. Something may happen and then you realize, Lord, I need you. I need you. And then all of a sudden he becomes the most important thing and he comes back in and you give your weights to him. You give your job to him. You give your family to him. You give the, the social media to him. You give the sports to him. You give uh, the, the whatever, the American dream uh, uh, politics to him. You give everything to him and then now he's back at the center. That's change right there. That's change. And if he's not the sinner, he does not share all this other mess. To him, it's mess because it gets in the center and messes your life up. And that's the way we live. Do we have to have these things? Do we, do, I mean, we have to have a family? Yeah, a job? Yes, a home? Things like that? Yes, but he says that should never invade this space right here. It should never invade this space right here. This is for me, he says. Stripping you back to just him. And then when he is exalted and he is lifted high and he is put up and he, he is the center, all this other comes into alignment and falls under what he wants for your life. 
So do you need a job? Yes. Do you need your family? Yes. Do you need a roof over your head? Yes. Do you need those things? Yes. But they are never supposed to be in that circle. But we as Christians walk around with it all in the circle. Every bit of it in the circle. We wonder why we're worried. We wonder why we can't find peace and comfort. We can't find contentment. We can't find anything in our lives. It's just a constant struggle. It's because we filled everything with all this chaos and he has moved out. And then we, we come in and we have a good Sunday morning service or, or the, the Spirit of the Lord shows up and he comes back in and we allow him. But we never allow. We may take three things out. We never, the true change is when everything that is not of him is gone out of the center of your life and he is the center of everything. Change. We don't like it because it, requires us to let go. It requires us to lose our life. It requires us to pick up his cross and deny ourselves and follow after him. Change. Change. And what God has been doing around this place is just that. It's been change. It's been change. Has it been tough? Absolutely. Has it been hard? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll be completely vulnerable like I always am and maybe speak too much sometimes. Back even to the worship because worship is a big thing. It is a big thing. It's a big thing. It's what moves the heart of God. God knows what, like I said, he knows what I'm going to speak. But he don't know how you're going to worship, how you're going to move him. That's up to you. You have the choice, like the tree. Either you can take this bite or you cannot. But if you can come into this place and you can choose to worship me in spirit and in truth and allow me to change and allow me to be the center of it all, or you can take it into your own hands. And even when, when, when Philip left and God spoke to me and Pastor Lori about Olivia being over the worship, when she, he spoke to us, was it hard? Yes, it's hard. Listen, it's hard. But ever since that time, still I have tried to take some of the things. Hi, Lord, how, how, how can I help worship out? How can I help you out, Lord, basically? He, he's doing the changing. It's just, am I willing to let go of what he is trying to do? To the point, you know, I, I have a hundred or so voices that I hear back from. That you have your own way of you, what you want worship to look like. Or what you style you want or how you want it to sound. Well, I, I hate to bust your bubble, but when you say this is the way I like it and the way I want it to sound, then that's not worship at all. That's just the way you want to praise. That's the way you worship doesn't have anything to do with instruments. Worship does not have anything to do with a song. Worship has to do with your 
eyes set on Jesus Christ as him, the lamb, the worthy one, the holy one, the, 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 the bridegroom. It had That is worship. So when you say, well, it's got to be this way for me to worship, then that is selfishness. And we are not real. This is selfishness right here. Not willing to drop that for what God is trying to place in our presence and in our midst. Was I guilty? Absolutely. Even though I know what the Lord said. Even though I know what the Lord said and spoke to me. So I was like, what can we do, Lord? To help. To help. All in, all in I want to help this situation. So I called around, searched out what a keyboard player would help tremendously. You know, it, it, it frees Olivia up more where she ain't trying to concentrate on what key to hit, what note to hit when she's singing, and, and, and concentrate on the, uh, the mind of God and the heart of God when all this, because she is new. And, and just like David, there's some point that you have to face a giant. There's some point and we are facing that giant. And this is what, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what can I do to help in this situation? So I call. I call people. Do you have extra piano players? Do you have extra keyboard players? Well, y'all know we had one come for two weeks, and then he left. But then we had another one come for two weeks, and he's left. And it's like God said, I, this is what I said. I'm stripping you. Just Casey, the Lord used Casey this morning with that word. I am stripping you back to the bare wood grain. And I'm trying to hold on to this carpet or trying to bring more carpet in so it can look a little different but still appease and appease the people and, and give you what you want. When God's the whole time said, listen, you tried to make two come and, and they, they ain't here because I don't want them here. I don't want them here. If I'm going to do this, you have to be willing to let go of everything else. Everything else. And I have to be at the center because that's what worship is. Worship is not an experience. Worship is an encounter with him. We have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of worship experiences on Sunday morning. If that's what you're looking for, then there's one on every corner. I'm just being honest with you. But God has called us to strip us back. And say, it's me. It's me first. I'll add. I'll add to. I'll bring. I'll do. I will build. You lift me high and you lift my name up. I will sin. I will add well, who I want to add, when I want to add. But you have to be willing to walk around with your hands like this and with the compass of the Holy Spirit saying, Lord, which way do we go? Is it hard? Was I guilty of, of, of trying to help? Yes. But the Lord whipped me good. The Lord whipped me good. And then he released the word to me that I want to release to y'all this morning. Because change is hard. Change. 
What if God has chosen us to show us a special grace because he has seen the hearts of a few people and set things in motion himself for change? God has chosen us. We know that people move the heart of God. A few people, Moses, he changed God's mind a couple of times when, when, when Jesus was like, I'm through with the people. I'm just going to kill them. We know we can move his heart. And we know that one person can ultimately do it. But he has chosen and there has been prophecies spoken over this church. But for God to fulfill his word, change has to happen unlike we want it to happen because if we can control the change we're not then he's not controlling it God has chosen us and showed us a special grace because he has seen the hearts of some people even years past prayers of saints and has set this thing in motion himself for change he sets it in motion not us now it's us it's up to us to accept and pray that we open our eyes to what he is wanting and not what we are wanting. We have to open our eyes and accept what he is wanting and not what we are wanting. This is what is happening and has happened here. It's not by man, but the Holy Spirit. Not everyone has or will have the chance like Noah and Lot to this opportunity. So what are you saying when he was speaking to this? When he says in the last day I will pour out my spirit. When he talks about the latter rain. Y'all have heard me teach and preach on the latter rain. Not everyone will have the opportunity like Noah and Lot. Not, he has given us a special grace. To say I'm choosing you. I'm choosing you. You're my Noah's. You're my lots. You're my Noah's to have an ark in the middle of a troubled time. You're my lots that I'll pull you out of situations and show you. I've chosen to give you a special grace. Us, as Lot wrote, a special grace because not everybody will have this opportunity. Not every church will because why? Their hearts and their minds are not open to what God is wanting to do in these last days. Their hearts and minds are not open to change the way he is wanting the bride to change without back to without the, the blemishes, without the spots, without the wrinkles. He is saying we, my bride, my church, has to have the heart to put on the garments that are pure white without all the corruption of everything else. And that is the opportunity for you to be the bride of Christ. Not everybody is willing to change their garments. And now everybody is willing to clean their garments. It's just a spot. It's just a spot. Lord God, he says, I don't accept spots. I accept the pureness, the holiness of a pure bride. That's what I accept. 
Because most churches are completely closed off to what God wants and how he desires to be exalted and worshipped. He desires, how he desires to be exalted and worshipped. Not how we desire to it. He desires. They're fine with the worship experience, which is only, I want you to get this. They're fine with the worship experience, which is only cultivated by themselves and only hinge on the desires and emotions. It's an emotional experience, not a relational encounter. Drink some water while I let that sink in. The worship experience is only cultivated by their selves, selfish desires, and only hinge on their desires and their emotions. It's an emotional experience, not a relational encounter. If everybody that stood up, the thousands and millions around the world that stood up on the Sunday morning in a worship service and had an encounter with God in that worship, this world would look totally different. The United States of America would look totally different. So what are you saying? The millions that stand up on a Sunday morning are having an experience and not an encounter. Because if the worship team does not sing the song that moves their emotions, then they don't move. I know it's tough. I know it's hard. Like the church, he said, I've seen in Ephesus. Revelations 2, 2 through 4. says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou cannot bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are an apostle and are not and hast found them liars and hast borne and hast fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left Thy first love. He said, I've seen the labor. I've seen the patience. I've seen how you stood against the evil. I've seen how you tried them that said they were apostles and they were not. I've seen all the things that you have done. But there's this one thing I have against you. You have left your first love. How you stood against the evil and labored and toiled but nevertheless have left your first love. He says, I am your first love. Your eyes have gotten off of me and on your own desires, which are not mine. Even though standing against evil is right, my desire is for you to look unto my love and only desire my heart. Have you forgotten I have already defeated the enemy and nailed your sins and judgments to the cross? I'm going to read this again. Even though standing against evil is right, my desire is for you to look unto my love and only desire my heart. Have you forgotten I have already defeated the enemy and nailed your sins and judgments to the cross? 
The cross I carried for you. The cross that I cried it is finished from. Get your eyes off of everything else because everything else is a distraction. Even things you call good is a hindrance to seeing me. Even the things we stood against evil which is good. We labored which is good. But they have distracted you and took your eyes off the first love. So even things you are calling good is a hindrance of of seeing me. Get back to the wedding day where you lifted the veil and locked eyes with the beauty of holiness. You could not take your eyes off your first love. I have already defeated the things you are looking at. I have already defeated the things you are looking at. You can worship someone you don't know. You cannot worship someone you do not know. And you only know what you are looking at. Hmm. I'm going to read that whole thing. Like I said, this is the Holy Spirit, the words he has given me. And when they came, they came in like a flood. Get back to the wedding day where you lifted the veil and locked eyes with the beauty of holiness. You could not take your eyes off your first love. I've already defeated the things you are looking at. You cannot worship someone you do not know and you only know what you are looking at. So if your eyes are not looking at Jesus, you do not know Jesus. You only know what your eyes are looking at. If they're looking at problems, you only know the problems. If you're looking at the mountains, you only know the mountains. If you're looking at the storm, you only know the storms. If you're looking at the situation, you only know the situation. If you're looking at the hurt, you only know the hurt. If you're looking at the pain, you only know the pain. So he says, quit looking at the things I already defeated on the cross and get your eyes Back to looking at me, your first love. Why, oh why do you keep placing a veil between us? Something so small and so thin. You call it good, but it's a separation. It's not, a, it's not the place, he said, but it's separation. I did not place the veil on Moses' face. God did not place the veil there. Moses placed it there. Exodus 34, 33 through 34. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put he, a little h, put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And he would come out and speak to the children of Israel, whatever he had been commanded. God said, I didn't place the veil there in the first place. He says, I never wanted separation. Why did he place it there? If you read in Exodus 33, it's because he 
because he and the people, the people were afraid. He placed it there because the people were afraid. A fear because the people would not come near. And a lot of times, we, I recognize what you can say I've been guilty of in the past couple weeks. Even though a, a keyboard player was so thin of a veil, I placed it there. Because of fear of the people. I'm just being honest. He said, I didn't place it there. I didn't put it on Moses' face, but he did because he was afraid the fear of the people. Oh, you do not understand. I never wanted anything between us. I never wanted it. But people who do not reverence me and stay clean allow those things to separate us. Adam and Eve put on leaves and hid from me. I never wanted separation. I created them to walk with me in the cool of the morning. I created them for nothing to separate us. I never wanted separation. But they chose, you choose, on what you allow to separate you from me. You place the thing of separation there. He does not. The veil was placed between the holy of holies, my sacred place, and the only the priest could enter in, and a person who keeps their self clean. You know, the, 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 God's design was never to have a, a, a temple. It wasn't his intention because... But because of sin and because of the, the things that happened, he had to create a place for his dwelling. It was never designed for that. His design was, would you come out and worship me? That was him. Pharaoh let the people go. I want them to come and worship me. I want them to come and, and seek after me. I have a promise for them. Only the priest could enter in, a person who keeps their self clean. But still, there was, that was never how I intended it to be. The garden was my plan where nothing was between us, just us face to face. So I sent my son to remove the veil that man's disobedience placed between us. I sent my son to remove the veil that man's disobedience placed between us Matthew 27 50 through 51 and Jesus cried again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit then behold the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom the earthquake and the rocks were split I sent my son to remove something that I never intended to be in the place anyway 
I intended you to have communion with me and me have communion to you and we walk together, we talk together and write relationship together one and as one, as the Father and the Son and the Spirit as one. He says, if you are in me, then I am in you and we are one. There is no separation. So I sent my Son, Jesus Christ, to tear that veil from top to bottom to once again to establish the right covenant of us dwelling together in unity, in holiness, together as one because now your body is the temple of the Lord and he dwells in you. There should be no separation between you and God. I want nothing between us, not even a piece of fabric, he says. So certainly... Not your opinion and your selfish desires. I want nothing in between us. Not even a piece of fabric. So I certainly don't want your opinions and your desires. My opinions. My desires. I don't want anything between us. Second Corinthians now where I told you to turn to chapter 3 verse 13. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face, so the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Because the veil is taken away in Christ. Even now, he's saying, when you read the Old Testament, the veil is still there. It's still there because why their minds were blinded. Until this day, the, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. Now the veil is gone, he's saying. Their minds were blinded. You have blinded your minds and still to this day keep placing a veil between us. Where do we know the battle takes place? What are we supposed to renew? Come talk to me. The mind. If your mind is blinded or if your mind is double-minded, you're unstable in all your ways. And what he was saying, their minds were blinded back then and we keep placing a veil between us and him because our minds are blinded of what he wants in our life and what he wants to do in our lives and we are not willing to do and let him have control and renew our minds in Christ Jesus. We're not willing to let our minds change in the way he wants to change and what he wants to do. Because if he's doing what he wants to do and we allow the change in our minds to change into his mind, then the dead would get back to life. The healings would come back. The deliverances would come back. The things would come back that he said that he could do. These signs shall follow them that believe. That's what can be restored. But because we will not allow the change of the renewed mind back in our life then he cannot operate like he wants to operate and do what he wants to do we keep placing a veil between us
your minds are all about selfishness and self-will. And we know Matthew 24 also says in the end they will be lovers of self. Self-will is not my will, he says. If you take away the veil that I've done away with, if you take away the veil that you placed there, that he done away with, then guess what? He says it only reveals me. And when you see me, it burns up all selfishness because I am consuming fire. And my ways become the only way because I am the only way. And you cannot know the way if something is in between us and you're not looking unto me to follow me. Even your mouth of the way it has been is a veil that covers my face. We hear people we want to go back to the way it used to be. I want to go back to the early days of the church. Thank God for the early days of the church. Thank God for the way it used to be. Thank God for those things. But we have allowed those things and those mouths of the past to be a veil between the face of God and us. But even this day, 2 Corinthians 3, we're going to verse 15. But even, this, even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. So first it says you've been, you have blinded your minds. And then he says the veil lies on their hearts. Minds blinded and hearts covered is the state of the church. Minds blinded and hearts covered is the state of the family. Minds blinded and hearts covered is the state of the fathers, the mothers, the children. Why do you say that? Look around. If our minds wasn't blinded and our hearts wasn't covered to the things of God, then our children wouldn't be confused about what sex they are. And our mamas and daddies wouldn't encourage to be whatever you want to be. And our schools wouldn't encourage if you want to meow or bark like a dog or be a pronoun or whatever you want to be called. It wouldn't be standing right now in this country because this country was founded on the biblical truths of this word. But now the family's minds have been blinded and our hearts have been covered by a veil. And we're allowing the wickedness of this world to raise up and the thing that is evil, we're calling it good. Come on, somebody. I know that you understand what I'm talking about because if we were truly unveiled to the holiness of God we would live holy again we would stand again we would march again our voices would cry out again we would hit our knees again we would repent again we would pray again we would fast again we would turn back to God and we would fall on our face and say we are unclean Jesus but now that we have seen the glory and the presence of God and the veil has been lifted who will I send will send me because I'm in your army I am your bride I am your church I'm the one that's what we would be crying out 
But our minds are blinded and our hearts are covered. But I got news. He says, 2 Corinthians 3.16. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. There's still hope. There's still hope for the bride. The, the bride is going to be the bride. There's still hope for you. There's still hope for your family. There's still hope for whatever God is wanting to do in this church, in this land, in this region, in this country. But the only way that it is going to happen is if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and they will turn from their wicked ways, uncover your minds, uncover your hearts, and start to pray and I will come heal your land because he says here in 2 Corinthians 3, 15, if you will turn unto the Lord I will take away again the veil that you placed there and I can restore all things unto me but that requires a change a change of what? of you letting go of the veil of you releasing and putting it back all in God's hands when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Turn and repent. And the veil is removed. It's not about you and never will be about you. It's all about a bride. A people who will only worship me with nothing in between us. Ephesians 5.27 says that he might present her unto himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. How can she be holy? The only way she can be holy is to look at the one who is holy. Whatever your eyes are looking at, So the only way is for the veil to be repentance, the veil to be removed, and you look and back to the only one who is true, the only one who is the way, the only one who is the life, the only one who is the bread, the only one who is the water, the only one who is the well, the only one who can give you the desires of your heart, the only one that can redeem you, save you, sanctify you, the only one. You have to look into a holiness to be holy. We wonder why the church, the family can't be holy because our minds are blinded and our hearts are covered because we're looking at things we shouldn't be looking at. He's told Moses, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. Nothing in between us. Nothing. Second Corinthians back there, 3.17 now the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So we see that he says, if you turn to me and repent, I will remove the veil. 
and removing of the veil comes back to the spirit is his spirit and the spirit of the Lord and where his spirit is there is liberty because there has to be a removing of the veil for liberty and freedom to be restored in the house again liberty is freedom freedom is nothing between you and God when somebody is freed from prison that means the jail cell that they were locked in the handcuffs that bound them are off of them nothing stands in between them anymore not a prison not a building not handcuffs not whatever he is freedom that's the joy and experience of freedom if there's nothing there restricting you and the only way we can experience liberty and freedom if the thing that is restricting us is the veil and the only way we can lift the veil is to repent Liberty and freedom is the removing of what binds the minds and covers the hearts. Liberty and freedom is the removing of what binds the minds and covers the heart. The only way the spirit is there is the removing of selfish desires and thoughts. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 12, 34. Jesus says, brood of vipers. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If the heart is covered, then it's not speaking. If the heart is covered, then it's not speaking the face of God. Because it's not seeing the face of God. So if the veil is there, the heart is speaking evil then. So the only way to speak is to remove the veil. If the heart is covered, then it's not speaking the face of God because it cannot see my face. It takes the heart and mind to speak. If your heart quits, you're not going to speak. If your mind shuts down, you're not going to speak. It takes the heart and the mind to speak. The change is not me. He says, I never change. The change is in us, in you. He's saying, what I'm trying to change is not me changing at all, but it's me changing the way you think it should be. The veil that you put up. The style that you want. I never intended it to be that way. I never changed. So what I'm having to change or undo is the thing that you put in the place that restricted us anyway. I never change. So the change is in us. The problem is you're looking at what man always looks at. The outward. The problem is we're all looking at the outward of what it looks like. Does it look good on social media? Does it look good out to the world? Does it look good to the people? Does, it, does the outward appearance, is it packaged just right? Is it, does it look good? The problem is you're looking at what man always looks at, the outward. 
while God is looking at the heart and the mind, is it covered? What's the heart and mind set on pleasing God? Is the heart and mind set on pleasing God? Is it set on the things above and not the things below? He said, think on these things. Those are what's right, holy. He didn't say, think on the things that, that will bog you down or the things that you want, but the things that are above. So we have to go back to removing the veil. The last thing that he gave me was in prayer this morning, and I don't know if you want to play or if John plays something. Or was this? He brought me to the ten virgins. We all know that they were all pure because they were all virgins. We all know that five were wise and that five were foolish. And the thing that made them foolish was not that they fell asleep. The thing that made them foolish is they didn't have any oil. And this is what he spoke to me this morning. There's some people in here that are foolish. You're awake, but the foolishness is you're trying to get strange fire. You want something that is selfish. Because you believe if I can get their oil, it will light my lamp. You believe if I can get their oil, it will light my lamp. We are so close of him returning. Quit going after other people's oil. And this is for the church. This is for me. Quit going after other people's oil to try to fulfill a need that only God in his oil can fill. So I had to do a lot of repenting of trying to bring some other oil in and he says you're awake and you are living in the last days but the oil that you need is already in the house quit going after strange fire and oil that is not what he desired that going after the things of selfishness is the veil that separates us that separates us so Lord I know I spoke your heart Lord I know I spoke your heart I know I've repented and I've opened my hands and I've removed the veil Lord of what you want to do Lord I will not place a veil in between what you want to do but fear of the people 
not place a veil in between me and you, Lord, for, for my selfish desires. Lord, when we remove that this morning, for us to uncover our hearts and uncover our minds, God, and for eyes to look to you, for you are the only one holy. If you would stand with me. The change that has to happen is the veil that we have put in place. That you have put in place. He's never changed. He's never changed. But we have covered him up. And the thing that he wants to do. I'm going to pray one more time and I'm going to open these altars up. Second Corinthians 3:18. But we all with unveiled face. That means the veil is removed. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So how does the change come? The veil is removed. We become his image, his glory, and we are transformed in what he wants us to look like, what he wants you to look like. So, Lord, I pray right now, Lord, I was obedient to your word, Lord, and what you put on my heart. So, Father, right now, as, as the ground, Lord, was tilled and the Holy Spirit has spoken, Lord, I pray, God, that a heart of repentance hid this house of every mother and every father, every child. That we remove the veil of our selfish desires. Lord, and we seek your face. And we seek your face. If you need to move this morning and repent, the things that you have allowed in your inner circle that covers the face of God, the weights and cares of this world, and I invite you to do that right now.